everybody, welcome back to the Look It All podcast. This is your host, Elias Roush. This podcast is sponsored by EliasRoushMedia.com, photo, video, digital media production. Today we are discussing The Last of Us, Season 1, Episode 3. Long, long time, directed by Peter Hoare. Written by Craig Mazin. It just dropped last night. I watched it this morning because I was a little bit tired. I figured I wanted to have my full emotions, awakeness, a fresh cup of coffee this morning. I was going to wake up, watch some Last of Us, and go tackle the day. That's not what happened at all. Oh my goodness. I was an absolute wreck after Long Long Time Episode 3. I don't think I've been this emotionally moved from a television show since maybe Station Eleven, which was also HBO apocalyptic type shit. But, um, you know, with saying that, I had to go to Twitter to go check everything. Um, And yeah, the, the pulse of everyone is it seems everyone feels the emotions riding through episode three. This is a. kind of a small departure so for everyone that's still catching up to the last of us hasn't watched it should you watch it uh the first three episodes only get better to the point where i had listened to uh decoding tv with david chen and his uh his other co-host they said they are own honestly somewhat concerned the show is so good at the the progression of the episodes getting even better and better and i kind of agree this you know, the first episode was like a roller coaster, just introducing us to the world. The second episode is another whirlwind of, you know, going through the highs and lows of being on the road and losing Tess. And we are going to get into spoilers for this episode. Uh, episode three is basically a character study departure, similar to what uh, one of my television shows, one of my favorite television shows, The Leftovers, like to do. They used to follow like the the main a plot line and then like episode like five or six they would it would be a character study episode and normally these character study episodes are the best episodes in in a lot of seasons of television because we are just with these a single character or characters on a path of discovery or um or, or kind of just living with them day to day or slices of lifestyle. So this episode three, we are with um, Bill and Frank. And so with, you know, out going into too many more spoilers, watch the episode. You were going to be moved as hell. I, I moved, uh, moved feels like an understatement for what this show what this episode is going to do to you. I think this episode is going to single-handedly win awards. This is going to be the episode that uh, the season finale is going to have to match up to. And, um, you know, I am thoroughly blown away with them um, being able to, to pull this kind of emotion out with characters that we were just introduced to. Um, The actors, uh, of uh, Bill and Frank, played by um, what is it, uh, the Ron Swanson character and the White Lotus guy, the, the characters generally known for um, uh, comedy backgrounds, and yeah, Nick Offerman, and uh, what is it, White White Lotus, uh, 
actor, actor. Yeah, everyone's looking at him. Uh, Murray Bartlett. Nick Offerman and Murray Bartlett turn in some powerhouse performances. I'm talking ones that had me in tears like I was watching Coco. I, okay, so there's there's different levels of emotion when you're watching television. So, you know, some, you know, it was moving. That's like a level three or something like that. And then level, like a level two, it would, you know, you're just like in, in the emotions. You feel it. You're like, you're kind of weeping off and on within the thing. And then level one or DEFCON one of the weep is just, you are just blah, just in the fucking puddles. And it felt like this was a combination of level one and level two because it was waves of emotion. I was like, oh god, oh god. I I was, I kind of saw where the uh, the this episode was gonna go within regards of, um, you know how this was gonna end. I was like, this is probably not gonna end very well for someone or one of them, both of them. I didn't know, but. The way that it was executed was so beautiful. It's one of the best pieces of media I've seen, obviously, of 2023. So uh, we're starting off pretty high with the emotionality or the emotional connection of television starting in this year. But again, Station Eleven had some very moving parts as well, um, kind of just kind of comparing the two. But uh, Murray Bartlett, Australian actor from White Lotus Season 1, I loved him in that ep- that. Uh, that whole season and seeing him pop up in this, I was looking at him thinking it was Will Forte from like Last Man Standing or something like that. I couldn't exactly tell what was going on, but I was like, is that Murray? Is that the manager from White Lotus? I was so excited. I was so excited. Um, so anyways, we have uh, tons of tweets going on up and down. People are uh, Maxi 76 on Twitter says, I was not emotionally prepared for that episode. Uh, quote unquote, he was my purpose. There is multiple, multiple um, lines and pieces of dialogue from this specific from this specific episode that are just relentlessly quotable. They are beautiful. Coming up on Valentine's Day, go guys, gals, non-binary folks, everybody in between. You know, got the LGBT representation. That's very good for everybody. Um, I, I got to say, just, um, you know, th- throw you some of these lines can be put on a Valentine's Day card, you know, give it to your uh, significant other. But it was um, absolutely beautiful from the strawberry scenes. to the. the let, let me just run down real quick what Peter Hoare has uh, directed uh, with us or with us with what, what he's noted for. So um, basically, I've seen anything from uh, the. Uh, Doctor Who to I haven't seen him in Doctor Who, but uh, I've heard of you know that show obviously. Um, but he's directed episodes of Daredevil, uh, Runaways, Cloak and Dagger, Defenders, Iron Fist. Oh, I'm just not gonna talk about that last one. But anyways, Umbrella Academy, Altered Carbon, Dark Horse Comics. Um, they the um, the direction this guy has given is uh, is pretty impressive, but I would not have expected it coming from him. Um, and I did, I I think he did a documentary on AIDS sometime in the last fifteen years, but I don't see that on here. But I don't have time to go through all of. Um, oh, oh oh, I think it's called "It's a Sin" twenty twenty one debut 
drama. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, cast and crew and pivotal point of. Ex- okay. So, anyways, check that out. Interesting director. Got a lot of notable stuff. Um. So, anyways, what else do we have? The Last of Us episode season one episode three. Here's the plot. In the present, Joel and Ellie heed Tess's final instructions and hike to meet allies Bill and Frank. On their journey, Joel teaches Ellie about the government's execution for innocence during the uh, early days of the outbreak. In a flashback to 2007, now there's a bunch of visual uh, cues and callbacks that they do throughout the uh, episode from the flowers being watered to dying to seeing this kind of corpse that is unknown who it belongs to but then it flashes to a baby um there's a lot of visual amazing visual storytelling that is just beautiful to watch um i was um pretty impressed by that honestly um so what else do we have the okay so it's the flashback Frank stumbles onto the compound of uh, paranoid survivalist Bill, who takes him in for the two uh, takes him in, and the two form a romantic relationship. When this is initially happening, I kind of was like, hmm, I don't know if I'm like, I don't know if I'm like feeling this like dynamic they got going on between each other. I, at first, I was like, this is. Are they doing buddy buddy? Are they friendship? What what's the deal here? And so as it continued to, um, you know, unfurl, and that night starts to unwind. They play the piano. Frank cooks for him a little bit. Um, and uh, sorry, sorry, Bill Bill cooks for him a little bit, and and Frank kind of is helping him, you know, relax and. You know, becoming this survivalist has made Nick Offerman's character so much of a hardened, hardened character. You're just like, I don't know about all this, you know. And uh, again, what the fuck? Am I... Gotta start closing that damn window. Anyways. So anyways, Frank stumbles onto the compound of paranoid survivalist Bill. And so they form form a relationship basically in one night. And I kind of saw where it was going a little bit. Like, I was like, clearly this is going to happen. This is going to happen. They're going to have, they're going to form some sort of bond because of how isolated uh, Bill is and has been for a long time. And you, you see a montage of him enjoying the, the quote unquote pandemic, you know, the apocalypse of everybody. He basically goes to Home Depot. You see him readying up home, home alone style and everything. They, they are basically, he, he is a survivalist as if you would see like a doomsday prepper, uh, current doomsday prepper. And so, but because of that, he's become such a hardened guy. And I've seen him kind of play variations of Nick Offerman play variations of this character. I don't remember. It might have been Devs um, that he 
plays kind of this isolated kind of guy, but I don't even know if that was the one that I'm thinking off off the top of my head. I can't think of it off right off, but there was a performance where he does play kind of like this this burly burly man that happens to be uh, gay, and I feel like this is a variation of that character. And obviously, Nick Offerman, phenomenal in all the comedy he's in, but I also think that the shows like Dev, shows like Last of Us, other shows that have uh, demonstrated his ability to have uh, an amazing dramatic, uh, you know, outbreak, uh, outbreak, uh, breakout is important as well. It's it's so interesting to see uh, comedy actors or generally comedic actors that play like the deadpan straight man um, play drama as well. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. So with saying all that, who else do we have on here? Um, they have an amazing relationship, just kind of the slow burn of them forming a relationship on the first night and, you know, Frank being kind of the gentler, more bolder hand that's kind of pushing his way into Bill's life a little bit more. It's it's beautiful. I knew it was going to happen that they were going to fall in love and I knew that they were going, I knew one of them was probably going to pass away. I didn't know to what extent. It's almost more sad that he does live that they do live a very full life. It's it's almost more sad than having the characters like suffer by a, a you know, a bite from a, a clicker or something like that, you know? So what's come to my attention more recently is just letting the characters survive in situations where you wouldn't normally think that they would normally survive um, is way more dramatically affecting for the story and it, it, it kind of changes the dynamic of the stories up a lot so i'm liking to see these characters and a lot of these types of stories more recently than not living from you know near-death experiences but it's it always changes them in some sort of way that changes the story dynamic and so with saying that uh i love all of the scenes of them together um the one that kind of made me feel a little bit weird on in not in uneasy just at first because I thought it was a little bit too forward was the the first initial kiss of um, from Frank to Bill and that was just mostly because I didn't feel like it was a natural progression I just kind of felt like this scene needed to be reworked just a tad bit I'm sure it worked for many people and I'm obvious I'm not of uh, LGBT. Uh, gay community so i'm trying to say this with the most utmost respect of uh respecting the community that i thought that it was a little bit forward for him to kiss um bill and bill not have some sort of reaction immediately but maybe they maybe everyone else saw something else i didn't see i just thought it was a little bit forward but anyways that was the only it wasn't even a nitpick i just thought it was a forward move it's just something that i if I was writing the story, I wouldn't have been like, and now he kisses him. It, it, it just felt like they needed to have a little bit more of a connection, maybe even through the music, because it felt like they were kind of having a connection from just meeting each other, not having too much, you know, in, just meeting each other as as men and then kind of realizing they are gay men and then realizing, oh, survivalist Bill is not only... You know, he's a badass around. Uh, he has this whole little community to himself, um, fences and all. 
but he's also he's got great taste in fine dining he knows how to cook he's got great wine he's um you know he's probably a funny dude so the the I wanted the commonalities to come together a little bit more, but that was just me. So anyways, the um, the relationship starts to form more. And as the they are forming, I'm feeling it. I'm like, oh, Lord, this is going to be gut-wrenching here when, uh, when I'm thinking when a clicker shows up. That never happens. So they form a romantic relationship. Several years later, Frank contacts Tess over the radio and the couples enter a tenuous relationship. Uh, sorry, tenuous friendship, not relationship. <laughs> tenuous friendship. And I love it because it feels like, you know, um, you know, two fractions, two of them really want to meet. Two of them are very opposite of each other, being Joel and Bill. And you, you have some amazing dialogue between these characters. I don't feel like I need to reiterate too much of it. And getting Tess back in a tour of on screen, I was like, cha-ching, that's what I'm talking about. And they also are doing um, a lot of de-aging with these characters because we've seen Joel and um, Tess also age out of the that because this is uh, back in 2007. So let's see. In the present, Frank is crippled by a degenerative illness and asks Bill to euthanize him after they marry. Um, but Bill, not wanting to live without Frank, also kills himself. So this was one of the most gut-wrenching things I've seen in media in about three or four months. I've seen some pretty incredible stuff, not going to lie, because it's Oscar season. But the acting... Chef's kiss. It was so beautiful. It felt like, I guess you'd say Romeo and Juliet, Shakespearean type style of these deaths. And this is all from a storyline that I believe um, is just like one or two lines in the game. Now, again, I don't know the game too much in comparison to the show. I'm This is by pod, podcast-only knowledge. But from what I hear, they've expanded the story to be absolutely one of the most beautiful pieces of storytelling I've seen in a very long time. And obviously, pro, it's it's got to be the best adaptation that anyone has done of any sort of uh, game to, on top of uh, it being a video game. So just... Every single, the scene of them talking, you know, I, you know, I mean, all of the tweets, people, I think people agree, um, you know, this was the simultaneously the saddest and most beautiful episode of The Last of Us, Etta Libre, um, Adrian at Adriance said, what an episode, tears everywhere emoji, um, Alice the Nerd on Twitter says, I did not expect a show about mushroom zombies to make me feel so emotional. Episode 3 is heartbreaking. And I I, I, I concur with everything. I mean, it's just uh, on every level, this is just n- not what I was expecting emotionally from this show. But it's delivering on, on every single level. And at one point, you do see throughout the um, time of, I think it's 16 years that we go across with Frank and Bill and Frank. Um Bill is shot by some, you know, raiders trying to raid the village. And, you know, you think he's going to get 
he's he's put on the damn table and Frank is like, Oh, you got you can't die, you can't die. You know, he's he's patching him up and everything. And you're like, Oh fuck, Nick Offerman's done. Bill's dead. Bill, you know, it's gonna be Frank only. And then it flashes forward. We have a wide shot. There's a man in a wheelchair, and you hear someone calling Bill, Frank, and Bill, you know, uh, Frank is calling for Bill, and you're like, oh my gosh. He, you're like, a couple things. One, Bill lived. Two, Frank and Bill are old. Three, Frank has some sort of uh, degenerative disease that is causing him to lose, uh, you know, a function of his body. And you're just, I, I was overcome with a, uh, emotion at that point. Once you see Frank in the wheelchair, all I had was my, my father had pancreatic cancer. So basically he was in a wheelchair the last three months of his life. And I just, I, the tears were flowing. I felt like from any direction that if you came at this, whether you were looking at them like, oh, that reminds me of my grandfather or, oh, that reminds me of my dad or, oh, that reminds me of someone I care about from a relationship previously before, whatever. whatever. If you if you watch this and you just attach some sort of emotional relationship to these characters, you felt it and the tears were flowing. I mean, you didn't have to have a father that died from pancreatic cancer for you to feel this type of emotion. But when he's in that, I'm like, oh no. And I just felt like my guard was a little bit up to knowing that someone here is not going to live. This show is too damn sad, somber at the beginning. I was thinking for them both to live. So the whole time I'm thinking something terrible is going to happen. Zombie's going to get them. Raiders are going to get them, whatever. Clicker's going to get them. Uh, I don't know. Something terrible is going to happen. This is not the something terrible I thought that was going to happen. They they live their life out, and it's the most saddest thing I've seen in in a very long time since like Station Eleven. I feel like I haven't gone through such a journey, an emotional journey since this, since then. Um, so yeah, when this happens, they have several scenes together where Bill is just you know really distraught about all of this happening, and then, um, and then let me see, Frank, they, basically they spend the day together. He says, you know, can we have one of the last best days of my life ever? And there's just so much emotion coming from him. And, you know, even talking about it, it's kind of hard for me to like keep all the, the tears and from coming back. I'm trying not to right now. I'm trying to be like, stick, stick to the script. The script's good. Um, so, uh, yeah, it wasn't initially when he said that I wanted, he wanted him to die or he wanted him to you know, pour his pills into his wine, which I didn't know he was always just going to kill him. I thought he was going to shoot him. So putting the pills in the wine was way more of a less graphic way of doing it and violent. And uh, um, having this happen and you're seeing the emotion on Nick Offerman's face, as Bill's face, and it's just so... Uh, it's harrowing to watch. It's hard. It's it's a difficult a difficult one, and it's almost a good enough episode. I feel like I could just recommend this episode single handedly to uh, like I want to. I want my mother to watch this one, even though she's not a big apocalyptic uh, violence or anything kind of individual. She doesn't like horror as or anything. Like I wouldn't even categorize this as barely a thriller in this episode. This is a character study with these two individuals who become such rich characters and. Um, I was um I was here for it. I was uh 
I was very distra- uh, distressed. I was very distraught after the. I was not distressed. I was distraught after the uh, episode. But um, yeah, I was not ready for this. And then them going through when they start, you know, pushing him through, pushing Frank in the wheelchair um, past the flowers. It was the tears were flowing. I'm thinking about putting on my Patreon. The I did. I happened to have the camera rolling of my reaction of the last 30 minutes of this episode. And I'm thinking about putting it on my Patreon. If we if we get enough up clicks and maybe comments on this YouTube video, I'll put it on my Patreon for everyone to see my reaction of me just literally upset as fuck <laughs> during that entire scene. But it's a little bit embarrassing because I'm just ugly crying the entire time. But we'll... We'll see if we can break like a thousand views or something like that on this in the first week. It's got to be within the first week, though. So check out at Luggedell Podcast uh, or Luggedell Podcast and all the links and everything. But anyways, I was not emotionally ready for this at all. And so when they are just going through the montage of them having the best day ever, them doing the last dinner, and you he, and Nick Offerman comes to the table, I just look at him and I'm like, holy fuck, Nick Offerman's gonna fucking He's going to kill himself in this. And I didn't know if, like, again, I didn't know if he was going to shoot himself or if he was going to do some sort of pill method or, you know, poison. And so they end up both just taking the tranquilizers from the wine and um, it kills himself as well. And I love how we don't see, one, we don't see too much graphic nature of them at all in any nature. And it feels like we get enough uh enough insight of to you know that hey they they are having sex they are having um a physical relationship but that doesn't mean i want to see their head get blown up at the end of this fucking episode i or you buy a, a a bomb or a gun or someone getting shot or you know i didn't want any of that to happen in this you know i wanted the best for these characters and it's almost kind of best case scenario that they get to die in this way on their own terms um and so there's something kind of powerful about that and so it flashes forward i, I think this is still pretty close they they kill themselves pretty close to they they do the dual suicide or euthan euthanasia uh euthanizing um of they 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 have to have died kind of recently because the food still looks pretty fresh on the table it doesn't have too much mold and whatnot so they they had to have been just a little bit late Joel and Ellie arriving sometimes sometime later they uh, discover a letter Bill left for Joel where he tells him that protecting Frank is what gave him his life, meaning after the outbreak. Bill left Joel his truck and supply of weapons. Joel takes the truck to find Tommy and Ellie joins him. And again, there's multiple levels to this. Um, Let me just quick off the front. Or off the cuff before I forget. Ellie seems to be a little bit indulgent and in just, you know, messing with these zombies. I think it's going to get us and get her in some trouble. Maybe Joel later. Um, I don't know too much about the second season at all that has been renewed, actually. But it, I feel like we're probably on the path to having something not great happen to Joel. 
I'm not sure if it's going to happen at the end of this season or if it's going to happen next season. I'm, I'm, I just feel like he's not a character that is longing for this world. And right now, they have a great connection. I'm not sure if it's a, a Bill and Frank connection yet. So I'm ready for them to kind of have a little bit more of a closer connection because they're still kind of butting heads in a way. And them having an establishing that Tess and Joel were some sort of uh, kind of an item, but off-screen item makes it feel like I am interested in knowing their, their more of their history and stuff like that. Same thing with uh, what Tess and Joel actually had going on. And so, yeah, um, and also Ellie, yeah, finding that one clicker at the bottom or the, the zombie kind of cutting them up a little bit and kind of, I, I couldn't tell what she was doing, whether she was just kind of being sadistic or if she was being like curious about does this thing have life? Um, you know, does this thing still have like a brain in it? And so what is the song after the last of us? Uh... So almost every song, okay, so the the Linda Ronstadt song is the song that they were actually singing on the piano, and um, Bill, Frank was, I think, or Bill was, and it's the song that they play at the very end of when they hop in the truck and they leave, and the camera pans, pulls out, and it's from the window of Bill and Frank. It's just so much excellent cinematography and direction like i said that every every little detail of this episode feels so specific that um i can't even i can't i can't even name it all so um yeah we got the linda ronstad and i think i'm gonna love you for a long long time i think that uh yeah it's let me see the from the very first episode, just because it's a post-apocalyptic show in which society has been stripped from its bare bones, feral bones, doesn't mean The Last of Us can't also feature the finer things in life. We've been seeing a lot of 80s movies, sorry, music, that has been peppered in and discussed through these uh, last three weeks. Even Ellie brings it up, I believe it, and it's in the first week. Um, so music, for instance, music, for instance, this is on Mashable.com. From the first episode, Craig Mazin and Neil Druckmann's HBO adaptation of the Naughty Dog game uses music in a key way, which dispatchy modes uh, never let me down again, setting an anonymous tone uh, for the what lies ahead. Episode three closes this musical loop with the love story of Bill and Frank and uses another key song, Linda Ronstadt's Grammy-nominated 1970s ballad long long time from her album silk purse and in fact the episode is even named for the song and so uh yeah it's a it's a great song to use kind of merging the two i wanted them to kind of play music together but you know maybe that was just me um but yeah, I thought that this episode was astounding. It's going to win awards. Both these actors, give them the awards. You know what to do. Um, like, subscribe. Let me know what you thought about episode three of The Last of Us. This has been a phenomenal three weeks of television. I cannot wait to see what the next few weeks have in store. Sometimes a lot of television 
can't compete in that middle sector of the season. So I hope that The Last of Us continues to deliver on these next few, especially with how good the previous few episodes have been. Um, Very, very good. Let me just kind of go through um, a couple of more tweets everyone had was discussing. Uh, Let's see. This episode was a bit of a tear drooker. This was uh, Annette XX on Twitter. Let's see what we got. Bill and Frank's story. Wow, just wow. Yep, I'm right there with uh, that's Gypsy King 007. Let me see anything else. Long, long time. It's the boys meme of uh, Homelander, Sam. Perfect. Perfection. Yeah. I'm I'm right there with them. Let me know what you thought about this episode. Subscribe, like, you know what to do. Like it out podcast. Again, Deidre MC gave us five stars on iTunes. I appreciate you immensely. I cannot thank you enough. Be like Deidre. Be a good, lucky dog, individual listener. You know what to do. Five stars, iTunes. Take it easy.